Oh, I tell you, I love mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for mercy. Anybody need a little mercy? Yeah? Some of you got a little mercy last week. And um, I want, I'm just curious if you are of a mind to share anything about that. Uh, some of you were kind of at a place last week where you, you just took a stand and said, you know, I want it to be different. And I want my experience of God and how he impacts my daily life to be different. And so uh, pray for me. And so uh, you got prayed for. And I'm just curious if there's anything you want to share about that. So you can think about that for just a second. For the rest of us, I'm going to be talking more about mercy and grace and how God brings all that into our lives from the book of Ephesians. And so if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to turn over into the New Testament near the end of the New Testament. Find the book of Ephesians. And we'll be at chapter 2 in just a minute. So uh, if you were one of those that uh, were prayed for last week and something meaningful happened in that moment or across this week and you feel the freedom to share something about that, uh, we want to take a moment just to hear from you. And if, if not, that's fine. We're going to move on. I've got plenty to say today. But uh, we want to make sure that if God did something that would be important for the rest of us to hear, that we could hear that. Uh, were there any of you that would want to take a moment and share something to that end? Do you want to? I'm going to take this mic, guys. All right. Lisa. I don't want you to talk very much today. <laughs> um, Scott knows when I stood up last week, uh, I was teasing him about, I felt humiliated. Um, but I have been in a depression for, boy, five months or more. I don't know. Um, it's, I know some of you don't think I would be a type to be depressed, but I was in a depression, seeing doctors trying to figure it out. But uh, to stand up afterwards, my stepdaughter was with me and Bruce, and what was that all about? I said, I just can't take it anymore. I just, something's got to give. I, I've been without a job, and I got a job, and it's a great job, and I felt no joy, no passion, no passion. For Christ, I've been praying, and nothing, nothing. Uh, God seemed so distant, and I just said, I'm tired of this, and I stood up. People prayed for me. The next day, things just started to, I felt joy, unexplained joy, consolation. Things just started happening. happening. Um, people talked to me about, in my share group, why I did what I did, and, and I realized through the week up to today that what the problem, well, one of my part I needed to confess that I needed help. I needed to confess to God that I kept saying, I am depressed, I don't see God, instead of saying, God, I need you. I have a hard time with the need word. But I needed God, and I needed all you people, and I needed your prayers. And it just took me that long to confess that I didn't trust to ask you all for that. Thank you, Lisa. While I'm on the floor, was there anybody else you wanted to take a moment and say, here's how God met me at that point, here's what's been going on? Anybody else? So the rest of you want to hear me talk. Okay. What? Oh, Kara. A little bit of hand down there. Okay. Um, so... A lot of you know I spend a lot 
lot of my time um, thinking about where I want to go in the future. And um, for me, I feel like, you know, I'm called to even go as far as Uganda. But um, then throughout this week, I just was beginning to realize um, a bit how um, I've been placed here. And um, I was talking about this with my parents last night. And earlier in the week, I just I got a letter from someone who um, was standing by me and praying for me on Sunday. And she sent me a letter, just wanted to tell me that she's praying for me. Um, and I'm so, so blessed to be here. And I think I spent, I was spending too much of my time thinking about where I wanted to go in the future, but not um, fully using the potential that I have on just here in Redmond with my church family. Mm. Thank you. Important for us to hear that from you. Okay. Well, we we um, we believe in prayer, and we're grateful for what God does for us, to us, in us through prayer. Uh, we're going to do some more praying in a few moments, and uh, if you feel the need to be prayed for, uh, we have have some people some people that are, are ready today to pray to pray for that. So that's coming up in a few minutes. Well, I am in a series of talks from uh, Ephesians, which is a great, wonderful book in the Bible that uh, was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in a mega city in its day, Ephesus, uh, specifically to churches that were in that city. And for these three weeks that we've been into it, we've been talking a lot about his uh, mercy and his grace. And we've been doing so in such a way that we've been talking about, you know, what if it was like uh, the technology that we have today? Wouldn't it be great if there was just an app for that? If, if I needed a sense of, of security, of his security in my life, that there would be an app for that. If I needed a sense of his greatness and his awesomeness in me, that there would be an app for that. If I needed a sense of his, his wealth, his riches, the things that he seeks to bless us with, that there would be an app for that. And the point is, is that there is. And uh, Jesus has made himself available to us, not like a genie in a bottle, not like a button that you can push, but he's accessible. Uh, We get all excited about what's going on with the latest and greatest uh, this past week. If you didn't know, there are 300,000 apps for phones and, and tablets and things like that these days. Can you imagine that? And the latest and greatest that came out this week was um, the first fully online digital newspaper. There is no print edition of the recently released The Daily. Uh, it's only accessible through, right now, an iPad, but later through uh, various tablets. And not only uh, is it a newspaper that you can have online, you can do that with a lot of papers, but it's not static. It constantly is updated, and the information is constantly updated. Well, it's pretty remarkable. But uh, I've got a book that is thousands of years old that doesn't change, and it's more relevant than tomorrow. And so we're going to spend just a little time looking in Ephesians 2 today to see how is it that God imputes to us his riches, his wealth, 
his blessings. Yeah, it kind of raises the question for me as I was preparing for today. You know, what in the world's happened to some of us? I, I think back to my life before Christ, and I'm, it was all about me, myself, and I. And it was all about uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to accomplish? What will make me happy? And then something happened that just blew that stuff up, and suddenly worship began to explode in my heart for God and for Jesus. So one, one day I'm like everybody else. And then the, the other day it's like Jesus this, Jesus that, God this, God that. And, and literally uh, some of my friends that began to see that transformation take place in me were like, what is going on with you? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I would take a few moments to, to share some of that with them. One day it was all about me. And then the next it's like, what's God doing? What does God want? What are his purposes? What's his kingdom all about? How, do I, how can I have a part in all that? And, and it began to change the trajectory of my entire life. And so what's happened to some of us so that we actually love God more than we love our spouse or that we love our children? And I'm saying that in the house with my spouse here. And she feels the same way. That God would begin to have that kind of preeminence and that kind of priority and that kind of treasure. He'd be that kind of treasure to us. What's happened? Well, what's happened is that we were just overwhelmed with his mercy. What we deserved was, you know, some just judging and condemnation. And and what we got instead was mercy. Just good, heavenly gifts from God. First of which was himself. Come. Come. Know me. Be with me. Do life with me, God would say. And uh, we, we get to do that. And every now and then we hit bumps in the road and our joy is challenged. And our, some of our story turns out a little bit like Lisa's. I've been there many times. I've been there recently. So I know that address and I try to move from that address but with God's help whenever uh, you know, those kinds of things begin to happen. But there's some others of us that you just have to say, what didn't happen. What hasn't happened yet? Because some of us are bored with God. And, uh, you know, we kind of maybe have it in our heritage that, you know, church is a good thing to do and, and uh, uh, go to a, a service or attend a Bible study or give an offering or something. These would be important things to do. But really... We're kind of bored with the whole thing. And some of us really haven't gotten to know God. We have some ideas about God. There's some concepts about God. And and, uh, we hear talks about God. And other people stand up and give a testimony about God. But, you know, that's still just kind of, of a distant thing for some of us. So what hasn't happened? For some of us. Well, friends, in a phrase, what hasn't happened for us yet, you haven't met his mercy. You haven't had his grace just wash 
over you. And that's our hope for you today. Many of us have been praying for you that this hour would be a divine appointment for you with God so that he could bless you with mercy and with grace. So we're going to get into that in Ephesians chapter 2. You should be able to have found that by now. And we're going to pick it up with the first verse. Talk, uh, there's some passages that just read like stories, and we love to read those. There are other passages that read more like theological books. This is one of those. So it's weighty. It's got some really rich, meaty stuff. Uh, so try not to get too bogged down with it. We're going to unpack a little bit of it uh, and then and get on. But here it is, uh, beginning with verse 1. Paul's saying to these believers in churches around the city of Ephesus, and you... You believers, you that have met the mercy and the grace of God, you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature, we were by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and that we should walk in them. All right. A lot of stuff. Uh, we're going to look at it briefly. Okay? The first is this. And he said, formally, before Christ became so central to who you are, before you met up with his mercy and his grace, uh, you were walking in ways, you were living in ways, your lifestyle was marked by things that inhibited or prohibited God's grace and mercy in you. So uh, the world, the culture is what you were following. You, you just were caught up in the current of the world and you were just being taken down that that uh, riverbed with the rest of the world, and some of it made sense to you and some of it didn't make sense, but, you know, you were just caught up in it. And there you go, down the world. And also the devil, who is a very real person, who makes it his business to tempt and to deceive and to discourage and to destroy. So you literally, as you were outside of mercy and grace, were caught up in the world caught up with the things of the devil, and caught up with your own lustful p 
passions that are in your heart already. Uh, as a fallen, broken, busted uh, person, these stuff, this kind of stuff is in you and, and stirring around you and kind of uh, holding on to you all the time. Now, friends, that just little three-point piece is pretty scary when you think about it. That outside of his mercy and outside of his grace, we would be caught up in this massive current that just sweeps up people and, and takes them downstream. The world, the devil, our own broken, busted, lustful kinds of passions in our heart. It is a hopeless and helpless predicament unless something or someone intervenes to help us with all that. So part of the, the deal is we've been following the wrong things. We've been caught up in the wrong thing. And, and he says the result of that is we're children of wrath. That is an ancient idiom. That's an ancient way to say that the way that your life was, it can only experience the displeasure of God. Now that you've come by mercy and grace to him, you get to experience blessing. But before, you were outside of mercy and grace, and you were children of wrath. You, you could only at best have his displeasure, and sometimes he would deal with things in judging or punitive kinds of ways. Not only temporally here today, but forever. That's a scary kind of bleak predicament. And then he said, see kind of the result of all that? Dead. Absolutely dead in trespasses and sins. Trespasses is a biblical way to say God has established parameters. He has established what's right and what's wrong. And a trespass is to go across that line from what is right to what is wrong. He said, we're all dead. We're all sunk in those kinds of trespasses. And sins are things that God has said, here's my standard. And, and we couldn't quite get that far. We couldn't quite reach his standard. And so it's both uh, we're dead in the water. Because of what we have done, stepped across his boundaries, and even because of what we haven't done or couldn't do, couldn't reach his standard. He said, you're dead in the water because of all that. Now, speaking of dead in the water, I, I read a story that uh, happened in Pennsylvania just a few months ago where Mac had just run a local race in his town and won, came in first. And the course of the race had gone through, it was kind of a cross-country thing, it had gone through some countryside, and it finished, of course, where all the crowd was assembled, by crossing a bridge, breaking the tape, everybody's cheering, you get your little medal, things like that. So Mac, you know, is ahead of the pack. And he crosses the bridge and crosses the line, and he wins. And he said it was just, you know, like a couple of moments after he celebrated his win, that he began to hear a kind of panic commotion with the crowd that had been assembled around the finish line. And he had been huffing and puffing and holding his knees and things like that. But now he raises up and he looks and he sees people that are on the bridge that he had just run across and run through kind of that gauntlet. And they're all on one side of the bridge and they're all pointing. And he looks down into the river that has coursed under this bridge. And there's a guy floating down the river, face down. And so he begins to run. I mean, he just finished the race. 
He was just holding his knees and gasping for breath, but now he begins to run again. And he runs downstream and leaps into the river and he grabs this guy and he swims over to the shore with this guy. And this guy is absolutely filled with water. His lungs are filled with water. He's no longer breathing. Uh, the guy gets him up on the shore, turns him over, feels his chest, tries to get a pulse. There's no pulse. He, and he begins all the uh, CPR maneuvers that you would want to be able to do in that kind of moment. Gets the water out of his lungs and begins to uh, apply pressures and things like that. A couple other guys come down and help him with that. They call for an aid car. They're working on this guy for 20 minutes until EMTs get there. It's a little remote out there. EMT guys work on him another 20 minutes until an ambulance gets there. This guy was dead. Dead in the water. And through all that heroic effort, they were able to resuscitate him back to life. And had a happy ending. Friends, that is exactly the picture Paul just paints of you and me. He says... Before the coming of Christ, before the reaching out of God through mercy and through grace, we were all dead in the water, caught up in the world, caught up in the temptations of the devil, caught up in our own lustful pursuits. We, we uh, were standing as children of wrath. We deserved his punishment. We deserved his condemnation. We couldn't do anything about it because we were already dead. The guy in the water could do nothing to save himself dependent on someone else to rescue him. And Paul says, that's the way we all were. We were dead in the water. But, which may be the most exciting three-letter word in the Bible, but, but, God made us alive. God pulled us out of that river God began to get that junk out of our lungs. God began to purge us and to cleanse us. God began to put breath of life back into us. Because He's rich in mercy and grace. But. So this grace thing means that we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to acquire it. He just gives it. And Paul tries to make this as crystal clear as possible. He repeats it three times. He says, this is not your own doing. This is his doing. He says, it is a gift. He says, it's not a result of any works. No one gets to brag about, hey, you know, I had done this or I had done that. All we get to do is glory in God. How gracious of Him to run down to the riverbank. How wondrous of Him to pull me out. How glorious it was that He put life back into my dead Now, when we talk about that kind of death, friends, um, we're not talking about a physical kind of death. All right? 
the kind of death that the Bible is talking about here, you see people walking around with this all the time. You can go down to Starbucks and get a coffee, and the place will be filled with dead people. But they will very much be breathing and sipping their latte and having conversation and so on. This is talking about a spiritual kind of death, a death that means I don't have a connection to God. I can't sense God. I can't engage God. He says, that's the kind of death we were all dead in the water with. But he has come to bring that kind of life to us by grace. Result, we become his workmanship. That word in the ancient language that is translated workmanship is the word from which we get poem. Now think about that picture. When God has brought His grace and His mercy to us and He has rescued us from death in our trespasses and sin, we're no longer children of wrath. We're now children of His mercy, children of His grace. When He has done all of that, He has made your life like a poem. You are His workmanship. He has made something beautiful out of you. He is writing a great story with your life. You are now His poem. His unique expression through you of His greatness, of His glory. And that poetic expression sees its its way out through all kinds of involvements, through all kinds of activities where you become a blessing to others. He brings His riches to you, through you. Somebody else gets to have some benefit from that too. So, what are you going to do with that? Um, Because I I think the reality for a few of us would be, gosh, I I don't think I'm his poem. I don't think I'm his workmanship. I mean, I've tried to be religious and I've tried to do, you know, more good than bad. But do I really have life? Has my encounter of Him just kind of exploded a worship in me for Him? Just turning me upside down, a reprioritization where it's no longer about me, it's about Him. It's no longer about my course, it's about His course in life. Does that kind of glorifying of Him and excitement about Him and passion for Him that's expressed in worship for Him, does that happen for you? Just burst in your heart like that. Are you knowing grace and mercy? I mean, He's just doing things that you don't deserve for Him to do. He just shows up in times where you need Him, but you didn't deserve Him to show up in that kind of way. Is that happening for you? Are you his poetic expression? People get a little glimpse of how wondrous God is because of your life. Listen, we want to pray for you about that. As I said at the outset, we believe this to be a divine appointment. God knew you would be here 
God wanted to meet with you in a special kind of way. And so here's the deal. In a moment, uh, I've got some praying people, some intercessors, leaders in our church that are going to be at various places around this room. They're just going to come and stand there. And if you would like to be prayed for, you can pick any of the people that you want, any of the leaders, and just come and say, pray for me about, and you fill in the blank. Maybe you need to be prayed for that God would help you to experience and to receive forgiveness from Him. Or maybe you're sideways with somebody else and you want to pray about forgiveness with someone else. Maybe you've hurt somebody else and you need grace to be able to go ask for their forgiveness and ask for God's help to reconcile that thing. Pray for me. Somebody will be here to do that. Maybe you say, um, I'm depressed. Like we heard a testimony a moment ago and, and the joy factor is just so low. I need the joy of the Lord to kind of burst into my heart again. Pray for me about that. Maybe you'd say, I've got this health situation and I need you to pray that God heal and that God help. Maybe you'd say, I just stand in need of that mercy and that grace because I I just, I don't really know Him. And I want to know Him in ways that you described or ways that the Bible describes. I want to have that kind of eternal connection with Him. Friend, there's somebody that will pray for you about receiving Christ and coming alive. 